of chapter 15, Proverbs. By having someone read verse 21. Who is he talking about? What kind of person is he talking about? Hmm? What kind of person is he talking about? Well, he's talking about two types of people. He's talking about a person who is wise, a person who practices common sense living according to the word of God. Because of course, you know, common sense ain't common, right? What some people consider common sense is not. It's only common sense if it's according to the word of God. That's when it's common sense. But a lot of people are duped into thinking, well, common sense is common because it says common sense, but it's not. But he's talking about stupid people, for one, and wise people for another. He says, stupid people enjoy stupidity. They enjoy, they relish in it. Because they have known, they've never known anything better. Stupidity is all they've known for all their lives. And so they could do anything, nothing less than being stupid. That's what he's saying. Wise people get their joy out of life. A life of soberness and morality. That's how wise people get their joy. And so it's clear. The difference between the two is very clear. We can be able to identify a person simply by their demeanor and by the character that they, they display. Verse 22. Okay, again, good advice. Some people take it, some people don't. Without counsel, plans fail. In other words, if you take it into your own hands to, to, to make your plans and do any, do, don't do any consulting whatsoever, not talking to anybody who has been down this road before and been successful, what happens? Your inexperience and your inexperience will show up in failed plans. And so without counsels, without counsel or without advice, plans fail. And the best place to get advice is from where? From where? God, the word of God. That's the best place to get advice from. But many advisors, but with many advisors, he says, our plans will, will succeed. When people make decisions or plans, on their own without counsel, whether the counsel of others or the counsel of the Word of God, their plans very often, more often than not, will go wrong. Getting a wide choice of information and advice is always safer because people with experience can warn against dangers that need to be avoided by suggesting better methods or better ways of going about this. How many times have you had something to do and you talked with somebody else about it and you thought that your way was the best way and after speaking with someone else they conveyed to you a better, another way and you found out that their way was a little bit better than yours 
And you also came to the conclusion that if you had taken the plan, if you had taken your plan, gone by your plan, you would have found that you would have more trouble, more problems. And so one of the reasons why is, is, is always good to speak to others or to get counsel is because what we know is not exhaustive. You know, there's always somebody else who may have a better way of doing the same thing that you plan to do and get the same kind of results or even better results or even quicker results. Sometimes we do we make plans and our plans may take a long time to, to come to fruition. Whereas if we listen to somebody else, they've done the same thing, but they got quicker results. And so the advice here is something that we always need to keep in mind whenever we're making plans. But here's the application for verse 22. People who are locked into one way of thinking are likely to miss the right road because their minds are closed to any new options. If you have a tendency of thinking the same way all the time, well, you're going to get the same results all the time. All right? And oftentimes, the results is not going to be good or favorable. We can always use the help of those who are able to enlarge our vision and broaden our perspective. Always use that kind of help. Look for the advice of those who know you and have a wealth of experience. We all know people like that, right? One advice is build a network of advisors and be open to new ideas. Boy, you know, some people that are not open to any new ideas at all. They are so close, they have one, a one-track mind. One way of doing the same thing for 25 years, 50 years, 30 years. And no new advice that anybody brings to them makes any kind of difference or sense at all. He says that needs to change. Be willing, by being willing to weigh your suggestions carefully with regards to new ideas. Your plans will be stronger and more likely to succeed. So that's good advice. Without counsel, plans fail. Verse 23. We've all had a, a good experience, I'm sure, at some particular point in our pilgrimage on this earth where we were able to give honest, helpful answer to somebody. We've all had that experience, right? Someone came to you with a question or an inquiry and you were able to give them some good advice. How did it make you feel? Good, right? You felt real good. You felt satisfaction. And that's what he's talking about here. Being able to give an honest, helpful answer not only helps the person that you give the answer to, but it also helps you by giving you genuine satisfaction. There's no feeling like knowing that you've helped someone, that you've done good for somebody. That's what he's talking about. And that's what we should strive for. A timely word, just the right word, spoken at just the right time to meet a particular need. How good it is. We've all had that experience, right? We've, all, we've been on, the, on the, the giving end of that and we've also been on the receiving end of that. 
right? You feel good when someone says something to you, but when you do the same thing, you get satisfaction. So you could say to that person, I know how you feel. You know, sometimes people tell us that and uh, they really don't have a clue on how you feel. You know, I was uh, driving in, 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 in the car the other day, this week, I think it was yesterday. And my daughter said, um, my friend had a Grammy that died and I told her, I know how you feel. And my mommy also know how your mommy feel. But she was right. Sometimes we tell people we know how they feel, but we've never experienced what they've experienced. And so it's good to give a genuine word of advice, just the right word at the right time to meet a particular need. Verse 24. Okay, wise person's path of life winds upward. If you are living a common sense life, according to the word of God, your future is always up. Toward life, toward a life that cannot run into any difficulties. And even if you do, you have the wisdom of God's word to deal with it. Again, we are reminded of the two roads and two destinies that the human race faces. The upward road and the downward road. The common trail that leads to downward to death and destruction is a road that we are have a tendency to see a lot especially when we talk about crime and violence and all that stuff that's going on. Many people are on that road. Many people are traveling on that road. In fact, the Bible tells us, broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many there be on that path. But we're on a different path. But we need to be ever mindful of those who are on that broad road of destruction and do whatever we can to help them to see that there's another road. Verse 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of What will God do with the proud person's house? He'll tear it down. The Lord will destroy the estate of the proud. The proud, not only the proud, but the domineering. Those persons who, are, who run roughshod over others. But he will protect the boundary of the little farm owned by the oppressed widow. God is always on the side of the oppressed. And so if you feel that somebody is oppressing you, don't despair. God's got your back. God's on your side. Verse 26. So the wicked plans of dishonest people are hated by God. You need to keep that in mind. Because you got a lot of people who are on, in our land who are doing a lot of dishonest, wicked things. And they seem to be getting away with it. We need to be reminded of this verse. 
that God hates. And whatever God hates, he does something about. You know, some people hate, hate things and hate people and hate this, but they don't do anything about it. Whatever God hates, he does something about. The words of the Lord are of the pure in heart are what pleases God. So when we think honest, like uh, Philippians tells us, whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is good report, think on these things, that is what honors God. When our minds are focused on pure things, God gets great honor. But he hates the person whose thoughts and plans are wicked. And he will deal with them in time. In his own time and in his own way. So let's not despair. Sometimes we think that God is taking too long. Or God let them get away with too much. But God has a plan for them like for them as he has a plan for us. Okay, they are on the schedule for God to deal with. Anybody here makes a schedule? You don't make schedules. And you go according to your schedule, right? Well, God has them on the schedule. Their time is coming. Verse 27. The greedy man brings trouble to his family. The king Okay, now this proverb could be a reference to, for the most part, to a judge or other public official who increases their bank account by accepting bribes. In doing so, he does a couple of things. He, he distorts judgment and he corrupts his own conduct. In other words, justice cannot be left up to him. Because if it's left up to him, you wouldn't get it. Okay, He's, he distorts justice and he corrupts his own behavior. His own conduct is corrupted by accepting bribes. Uh, what do you call it? Money under the table. You know, sometimes you do everything that you need to do according to the law to get what is required of you. And as much as you do, you still don't get it. Simply because the person who has the control of giving you what you, know, what you need to get wants you to grease their palm. They want you to pay them off. They want you to give them a couple of dollars under the table for doing their job. And so sometimes we know that we're doing everything that we're supposed to do, but for some reason we're not successful. Because somebody wants a bribe. And then some people won't do what they're supposed to do for us because you, they, you don't offer them a bribe. But even worse, he brings unlimited trouble on his own household. His household is stigmatized by his corrupt behavior. His home or his household will be known as the place where that wicked judge lives. Where that wicked man lives. Whoever refuses to have anything to do with bribes will have an enjoyable life. Because you don't have to worry about anybody looking over your shoulder. You don't have to worry about anybody pointing the finger at you, calling you corrupt or wicked or dishonest. Verse 28. Prayerful answers come from God's voice. The wicked are suicidal. Okay, the righteous heart does what? Ponders how to answer. 
a righteous heart. In other words, they think before they speak to ensure that what they say is coming from a heart of righteousness. But the mouth of the wicked pours out all kinds of evil things. They don't care what they say or how they say it or how it affects those that they say it to or those who hear what they say. And so a good person thinks before speaking by first meditating about how to answer. Now you know Peter had a reputation for always putting his foot in his mouth, we call it, right? He always had a tendency of speaking before he thought. And we saw the kind of trouble he got into. Alright? Well, he's one example. We have many others that we can think of in our own personal sphere, in our own circles, perhaps in our neighborhood, on the job, or wherever we are. We have, we know of people who speak before they think. And we know what people say about them, and we know the kind of problems they encounter because of that. When an ungodly person opens their mouth, what usually comes out is a flood of profanity, filth, and depravity. We see it all the time. And even though we don't want to hear it, we end up hearing it anyway. Aren't we? There's no way of not hearing it. Can you close your ears? You can't. It's unfortunate, but you can't. Alright, so you hear a whole lot of stuff that you don't want to hear. But most of what we hear in this regard comes from a person, an ungodly person, an unrighteous person, a wicked person. And so the application then for verse 28, Godly people think about their answers, but wicked people don't because they don't care about how what they say affects others. They don't care. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll stand right next to you and spit out a, a, a barrage, a flood of profanities without any regard for how this is affecting the person that I'm, that I'm talking Unless you speak out, unless you say something to them, uh, they don't even think about it. Now some of them you say something to will, will, will apologize, oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry, um, I didn't mean to offend you. But if you don't say anything, they don't, they, they, they don't care. And we see it all the time. We hear it all the time. While it's important to have something to say, it is equally important to think about, think about it first. Are you careful in planning your words? It's a question that we need to always answer. Before we open our mouth, that's a question that we need to think about. Are we careful in planning our words? Or... Do we have no concern about how much they impact those who hear them? In other words, do you care about how what you say impact those who not just listen to you, but who hear you? Because there are a whole lot of people who are going to hear what you say who are not listening to you. And so we need to be careful. We have a tendency to be concerned about small children hearing things that they're not supposed to hear. But we need to be concerned about anybody hearing things that they shouldn't hear because it shouldn't be said. Verse 29. That's comforting, isn't it? The Lord is far from the wicked. But the prayer of the righteous, He always says, He never misses the prayer of the righteous. Oh Lord, help me. Remember Peter? Trying to walk on the water? Oh Lord help me. 
Simple as that. God is always there. In the sense that he does not enjoy fellowship with them, the Lord is far from the wicked. And they, and they cannot communicate with him by prayer. There's instant access and consultation for believers with the sovereign in the universe, with the sovereign of the universe in the throne room of heaven by prayer. We know that God does not hear sinners. And this is John chapter 9. This is in the Bible. John chapter 9 verse 31 says, We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Okay, so you can, you can, you can listen to that wicked person talking about how much he prayed, and God answers him, and God hears him. Well, Satan answers prayers too, you know. Satan answers prayers too. Especially the prayer of the wicked. When the wicked person thinks that their prayer has been answered, it wasn't God who answered it. It was the devil who made what they wanted come to reality. And he has the ability to do that. Because the Bible says he is the God of this world. Okay, so you have a lot of people in this world duped into thinking that they pray to God when actually God hears not the prayer of sinners. And it's Satan who answers their petitions to make them believe that God is partial to them and that God hears their prayer and God is answered them. So they continue to do it. Because they are convinced that God is answering their prayer. That's one characteristic of the deceiver. And that's why Satan is called the deceiver. That's one of the ways that he deceives people. He makes people think that God is answering. Remember the Bible says that he appears also as an angel of light. So a lot of times wicked people think they're seeing an angel. It's not really an angel of light. Not the real one. It's Satan in disguise. And sometimes I, I, I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, you, they know the kind of life they live in. A person who's living a homosexual lifestyle, for example, would talk about how he prays and God answers his prayer. Now you know that's not the case, right? You know that's not so, because the Bible says right here, God here is not the prayer of sinners. Okay? He says, any, the prayer that he hears is the person who worships him and does his will. And so if you're not worshiping God and you're not doing God's will, God's not going to hear your prayer. Your prayer is going to go up to the ceiling and bounce back down. He hears the prayer of the righteous. Verse 30. He's talking about a beaming countenance. Person has always got a pleasant look on their face. You know, sometimes you talk, you, you run into a person who got a sour look on that face and, and it makes you feel sour too. Doesn't it? It, you know, you, you're having a good day. And all of a sudden you walk into the presence of a person with this sour, disgruntled, miserable look on their face. And it affects you. It affects you. Up to that point, everything is going fine. And lo and behold, the beaming countenance of a person is so contagious that it gladdens the heart of everyone he encounters. That's a good advice. That's a good 
thing to think about. Also, a person's whole being feels good when good news is received. Ever having an average day and someone comes to you and tells you something that really makes you feel good, bring some good news, and then you say, your response is, boy, you just made my day. Ever had that experience? Well, that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about a whole person's entire being being affected by good news uh, that comes from anybody that brings that good news. And he talks about how our countenance gladdens our hearts. Verse 31. The air that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. Okay, so a person who listens to the kind of counsel that leads to the true way of life has a place among the wise of the earth. In other words, life-giving counsel comes from teaching, the teaching of the Word of God in general and the Gospel in particular. There's nowhere else you can find good counsel, life-giving counsel, other than the Word of God. Verse 32. Okay, so whoever ignores instruction, know anybody like that? You uh, had an occasion to give somebody some advice at some particular point, and they didn't take your advice, they ignored it. And um, you get to a point where you almost want to say, I told you so. Ever been there? I mean, you, you're itching to say that. Because you know that if they had taken the advice that you had given them, they would not have found themselves in that position or that condition. <clears throat> and so a person who refuses to listen to godly instruction despises himself. In other words, he doesn't mean himself any good if he doesn't listen, listen, listen to good advice. So why should you hold your head or go to the trouble of giving him good advice. He doesn't think of himself worthy enough to have that advice. And so he despises himself because he plunges himself head first into ruin. He who heeds rebuke or he who listens to advice advances his own best interests. Now that's good advice for us too. Not just for those who give it, but good advice for those who receive it. When we listen to, to, to godly instruction, when we take good advice, we advance our own best interests. In other words, it works out for our good. It's to our advantage, is what he's saying. Verse 33. And this one we have heard many, many times, over and over again. And that is, the discipline that leads to wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The way to honor God is through humility. God is honored when we humble ourselves before Him. Because we exalt Him in the process. Now that brings us to chapter 16. And um, chapter 16 from verse 1 straight through verse 16 of chapter 22.
focuses on a dignified, the dignified lifestyle of the righteous. Now, whenever we hear dignified used in relation to people, is often when people are dead, right? People talk about giving people a dignified burial. Most of the times when we hear the word dignified, that's to do with people who ain't here no more. But what he's talking about in these passages are the dignified lifestyle of righteous people. Okay, so dignity is not relegated to the dead. It's relegated to the living as well. And that's what this whole group of verses is focusing on. Living a dignified life as righteous people. So let's begin at verse 1. Okay. The name of the Lord here is Jehovah. And um, it appears nine times in the first 11 verses of this chapter. That is chapter 16. And the point that he's making here is that people can make all kinds of advanced planning. They can make all of the advanced planning that they could think of. They can have a checklist and go through that list and tick off every item, uh, cross every T and dot every I. But if the Lord and His sovereignty doesn't agree, He can then overrule all of that. All of that would be nothing more than a fruitless exercise. The Lord in His sovereignty overrules all plans people, people make. And He does so for the accomplishment of His purposes. In other words, we can go ahead and make any, all kinds of plans and don't consult with God and don't ask God if, if this is what He really wants. And we're supposed to be living for Him and serving Him and honoring Him. We make all these plans and don't ask God what He thinks. Now we ask our friend what, what they think. We ask our relatives what they think. Funny thing is, we don't ask God. And he's the one who is responsible for making it happen. He's the one who determines whether it happens or not. Not the person who you got the advice from. Someone has said, man proposes, but God disposes. And we need to think about that. An example of this is recorded in Numbers chapter 22, 38. We remember the story of Balaam, right? No, verse 38. Balaam replied, Look, now I have come, but I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. Verse 23. Verse 7 and 8. This was the message Balaam delivered. Balak summoned me to come from Aram, the king of Moab brought me from the eastern hills. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come and announce Israel's doom. Verse 8 says, but how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom God has not condemned? Man proposes, but God disposes can make all the plans in the world. But if those plans are not in accordance with God's will, they will fail. Balaam wanted to curse the people of Israel, but the words came out as a blessing instead. That's how God works. 
Or think of Caiaphas, who spoke beyond his own wisdom. John chapter 11, verses 49 to 52. We read, Caiaphas, who was high priest at the time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at the time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. So God had already prearranged to be done to Jesus what Herod and Pilate planned to do. In other words, those were plans. Herod and Pilate made their plans, but God had already made his plans. So they were acting in accordance with the plans of God. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 27, we see another example. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. Verse 28 says, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. We can make all the plans in the world we want to make. Even be good at it. But God determines the outcome. And so this proverb could also mean that even though God persecuted people, God's persecuted people often plan in advance what to say when accused, God gives the right words at the right time. And we see another example of that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 19. Where Jesus was speaking, he says, When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. Remember that passage? He says, God will give you the right words at the right time. He told him, this is Jesus, telling his disciples, his followers. He said, when you're arrested, don't worry about what you're going to say. God's going to put the right words in your mouth. And so when we think about this passage in verse 1, what Solomon is saying in verse 1, we can make our own plans, but God gives the right answer. This verse can be understood to mean that the final outcome of the plans we make is entirely in God's hands. All the plans we make, entirely in God's hands. In fact, the Bible tells us that when we commit our plans to the Lord, He will ensure that they succeed. If this is the case, then we ask ourselves, why make plans, right? But in doing so, in doing God's will, there must be a partnership between our efforts and God's control. God wants us to use our minds to ask others for advice and to make plans. However, the results are entirely up to Him. So what is the point of planning? It helps us to act God's way. As you live for God, ask for guidance as you plan and then act on your plans as you trust in God to bring them to reality. Nothing wrong with planning. Just don't leave God out of the equation.
That's the problem. We make all these plans and God has no say. And then we ask him to bless them. We ought to be asking his advice first. Then make the plans. And then when you take them to him, he's quite aware that you've already come to him with them. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're talking about. And he's more inclined to bless your plans. Amen? Okay, we got to stop there because time is gone. Right on the button. But I believe we get the message, right? We have our challenge for the week. In terms of what we ought to be doing. In order to exercise common sense living. From a biblical perspective. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning for the opportunity once again to hear from you. We thank you for the wise morsels that you've imparted to us. It's now up to us to determine how we're going to use them, when we're going to use them, and how we're going to allow them to bring you glory, because your word says your word never returns to you void. And so, Lord, we thank you once again for the opportunity uh, to delve into your word once again. Bless us now as we leave here. We pray for the service to follow and all those who will be participating. Continue to get glory for yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.